if there is some sort of a belief that causes you to think that you are better than the next person, especially if that's due to a religious belief, then you need to fix that. That is a discriminatory belief and it needs to be fixed. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Exvangelical Podcast, where being labeled a heretic is a good thing, if it means refusing to conform to toxic, harmful expressions of faith. We address your questions about God, politics, how we got here, and how to move forward. Nothing is off limits in our conversations with scholars, spiritual seekers, and activists in our quest to uncover the heart of faith. We're your hosts, Melanie and Gary Ellen, and this is Holy Heretics. If you're new to the show, you may not know that one of our goals on this podcast is to interview people of all different backgrounds, faiths, and beliefs in the hopes of discovering the divine. And both Gary Allen and I still use the word Christian to describe ourselves, though we all often like to qualify it by saying, but not that kind of Christian. (laughs) But today's guest is someone who also grew up evangelical and even fundamentalist, but on the other side of his deconstruction now describes himself as an atheist, a humanist, a heretic, and an apostate. His name is Will Thorpe, and you may know him from his Instagram account, Heretical Theology. He studies biblical textual criticism, and he uses his platform to ask great questions and have deep conversations about faith, Christianity, and its impacts on the world. So welcome, Will. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's uh, awesome to be on. Looking forward to the chat. All right, Will, this is going to be a fun conversation because so many of the people that we've talked to up until now are deconstructing their faith, but they still find themselves living within Christianity. And as Melanie said, you describe yourself pretty ardently as atheist. So, however, that you, you did grow up in the church, right? I mean, you do have a Christian background. Can you tell us a little bit about that up? bringing and then what precipitated kind of that beginning of your deconstruction and your move toward atheism? Uh, yeah. So um, grew up in a uh, rural country town and uh, grew up as a Methodist uh, for the first uh, several years of my life. Um, ran into a, a fundamentalist uh, Bible preaching church that was a non-denominational church, uh, very similar to Southern Baptist. And they were having classes uh, actually uh, in one of my high school's uh, lecture halls uh, after hours, of course. And so I started going there because they had a a really cool youth group. My parents wanted me to go there as well. The girls are pretty cute too. So that was always uh, a nice, (laughs) that always helps. It does, but they were studying like revelation and end times and Daniel. And I found it all fascinating and definitely not something you typically hear in a Methodist church. Uh, and my Methodist church was like super old school too. It had stained glass windows, uh, no AC. We we did end up getting AC, but uh, you know, hard wooden pews, and then it was an upgrade to get cushions on the pews. I uh, did Sunday <laughs> school downstairs, downstairs with a very nice uh, lady who actually cared about us. Um, but then, uh, as as time would go on, uh, I would become very, uh, I, I guess you want to say, like, well, it was a fundamentalist church. Uh, the what I would call the cult church. And I'm going to start calling it by name now. So Jacob's Well Fellowship, you're actually the first podcast to hear the actual name of the church. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so the church is called Jacob's Well Fellowship, and they currently have a, a equestrian center called Hilltop. Uh, it's called Hilltop. And it's called Hilltop Equestrian Center. And they do hippotherapy uh, for children who are paralyzed. 
or have uh, movement movement issues or um, and some sort of other handicaps, which is great. Um, but the, the the issue is that they have very fundamental beliefs. They believe the Bible is inerrant. They believe in a literal hell, and they have absolutely no problem teaching these children uh, about this literal hell, in, including the children who are mentally handicapped. Um, as one can Wait, imagine, while they're there for hippotherapy. Correct. So the whole thing is free, uh, as huh. long as you come to the uh, Bible study afterwards. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a form of spiritual manipulation, right there. Just to be <laughs> honest, right? Abs- absolutely. And I actually create a uh, an organization called um, the Creation Adventure because we are young Earth creationists, and so I specifically uh, was teaching children between ages of I think seven to twelve that the Earth was only six thousand years old, and we actually had a church camp. Uh, overnight and that is still unfortunately going on now that i'm an atheist it's something that they've kept on going ah so that's that's upsetting <laughs> um so this kind of shows you where, where, where i was at mentally but uh, we eventually ended up making a move down here to florida and uh, we attended a church called uh, calvary uh, calvary chapel melbourne as far as mega churches go it was actually a pretty great church and we moved there because we believe god called us to that church so we literally quit our jobs and moved down here without jobs and started serving in the, at that church. It wasn't a paid staff position or anything. We just believed that God had called us. And so we acted on faith and we came on down. Um, then I basically started asking more questions. My wife was having uh, various issues with doubts and uh, God being there for her. And I had my own questions I was researching. And over the next uh, couple of years, especially in 2019, so in 2016, Trump was the nominee for the president, and that's when I realized that being the church had a lot that we had to work out. <laughs> that was that was eye-opening, seeing how obsessed the church was with Trump. And so that's when I realized I was more of a liberal, progressive Christian. Still evangelical, but definitely liberal and progressive. And um, then I started learning about the history of the Bible in, in 2019. I was doing daily Bible studies like I had normally had for the last couple of years, but this time I was actually posting them on Facebook every single day. I think I only missed like three or four days. And you literally see my deconstruction from analyzing the Bible critically uh, from a Devo to asking questions to literally me becoming an atheist. And that's how horrific Mm. theology's Instagram account. Mm. Was there like, one big thing that eventually made you be like, okay, I'm no longer this liberal progressive Christian to I'm, I just straight up can't believe this anymore. Or like, what was it that ultimately made you say, I just can't believe there's a God anymore. So there wasn't any one particular thing as, as these things typically go, at least from from my experience talking with others. Um, the biggest issue, because I still believe that the Bible um, was infallible. I won't say inerrant. Uh, there are some differences there. Um, but I never, nevertheless, I believe that the Bible was you know, the source information for a Christian's faith. And when I realized that there was a lot to be questioned when it comes to the reliability of the Bible, that's when I started asking a lot of questions and started seeking the, the truth and the facts about how the Bible was created, the textual criticism that, that 
we need to know to understand what was actually written and why it was written. And so that that fragmented into a hundred different things. I, I, I can't really pinpoint on just one thing, but that was probably so first off, you know, just leaving my fundamentalist church was was a big key factor in my deconstruction and seeing then distancing myself from the church due to Trump was another big step. And then and then finally questioning the Bible was was a third step. And that whole process took about maybe nine months. Or the mm. nine months after I started questioning the Bible. Mm. Interesting. You know, it does feel like to me that uh, fundamentalism um, has kind of one or, or or two pathways. You either stay in it and become more fundamentalist and more um, strict and dogmatic in your beliefs, or you run the entire uh, opposite direction and and completely you know shed those. And and I think that um, especially for for those core beliefs of fundamentalism, you know, that the Bible is perfect and infallible and it dropped down from heaven, that the earth was created in, you know, six literal days and it's only six or 7,000 years old, that there is a specific place of hell that, you know, you will go to if you do not um, please this narcissistic God. And when you begin to realize that those things are untenable at best, um, and and theologically and emotionally harmful um, at worst, then you're left with, now what do I do? Where do I go? Um, what do I believe? Because we've never, in, in a lot of ways, never offered people a, another alternative beyond fundamentalism. So I, I applaud your journey. It, it's it feels like for so many of us, we had two options. I can either believe this nonsense or I have to, you know, reject it all. And, and so I think we have to have room for people who are, who are in that process and on that continuum. What you did in, in very creative ways was to kind of share that story on Instagram. So can you tell us a little bit about how that account came to be and, and really what made you decide to, in some ways, kind of go public with this deconstruction process? Yeah. So that's, Kind of an interesting question because I was posting these things onto my personal account on Instagram, which was then copied onto my personal Facebook page. And I was already, so I was already making these, these devotionals, these posts. And uh, this is all in 2019. Um, my posts, especially during the summer, started raising uh, concerns for a lot of people who knew me because they could see that I was doubting. Even people that I worked with, it was actually kind of interesting. And there, there came a, there came a, a point where I realized I was no longer a Christian. And that was in the fall of 2019, and the rest of the world had it notice, especially those on my Facebook account who knew me personally. And for me, I'd already been a non-Christian for about a month, and I'm still making these posts about the Bible. It's no longer devotional based, but it's more like this: you know, what is this text actually saying? Uh, from a historical uh, historical critical method standpoint, and I could not, in good faith, continue on doing that without being open and honest about where I was spiritually. So that's why I came out as a. I, I don't like using that word because that, that's that's for because I, I, I think that's been for the LGBTQ community. But I, 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 I stated that I was no longer a a Christian, 
because I felt like those who are reading my posts deserve to know my perspective and my bias. That was very costly. And I literally, over the next three months, I, I literally lost over half my Facebook friends. <laughs> it was oh, fascinating. Wow. It was fascinating. Some of it was me because people were evangelizing to me. And I, I didn't want to take it anymore. But most of them, well, most of it was uh, them piecing out on me. And I was kind of angsty too. So to be honest, I, I, I'm not entirely sure I would have followed me. <laughs> seeing some of the stuff I was saying <laughs> because I was I was very bitter um, but because I was very bitter I stopped posting uh, I did keep on posting some of my posts on Facebook but on Instagram I'm like you know Christians who are following me don't want to see this uh, and I get that and so that's why I created a, a whole second Instagram page specifically for my Bible posts and that's how heretical theology kind of came to be hmm seems like it took off pretty quick or am i imagining that <laughs> well no it didn't I, it, so it technically did not take off very quickly because i started in november of 2019 and i struggled to get any real followers even for like the first four months but that was also because i was essentially just talking about the bible and i was gearing it towards atheists and, and that went over about as well as you can imagine because <laughs> hey, atheists, you need to know this stuff about the Bible. And he's just like, you don't really give a crap about the Bible. Like, why are you telling us this stuff? And or some atheists thought I was actually like a Christian, just trying to pretend to be an atheist. I, I don't, I don't know. Oh. Oh. So I don't, I don't really. I, some of the stuff that I've seen Christians pull on on Instagram, I'm not really surprised they thought that. But that was not the case. And then that was when I actually learned about deconstruction. So I was already a full blown atheist by the time I learned about deconstruction. And I'm like, oh, wait, there are Christians who are going through the exact same thing I am. That's great. Okay, let's, let's, maybe they could use this information. And that's when it really started blowing up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's awesome. So we talked a while back about doing this interview, and you said something to, to us at the time that just really stood out. And you said that your goal with your account wasn't to just try to, for lack of a better word, convert Christians to atheism. Um, but it was more so to make Christianity less harmful. So can you explain what you mean by that or what you see as harmful within Christianity? Because I think there's, for so many of us, especially those of us who were raised in Christianity, we don't know anything else. And so to hear that is like, what? Like, no, Christians are the most generous and Christians, um, they they send out the most missionaries to go help people. And like, we're the ones who have the message that can save them and, you know, all that. So so to hear someone say, like, actually, Christianity is harmful can be like really confusing for some people. So can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, and that's a, that's a fair question. Um... I'm trying to figure out if I want to start low or start high with this. Um, <laughs> the uh, I'm, I'm I'm going to go with with the high route, and then I'm going to I'm going to calm back down and, and hopefully make sense of it. Um, I am anti-religion, and I I don't mince words about that. And the reason for that, and and Christopher Hitchens likes he he liked to talk about a lot in his debates, was that there is there's nothing that religion can do that a secular organization can't emulate. And that's including without the, the, the religious baggage that, that comes along with it. In a lot of sense, in, in, in many cases, um, 
religion has the ulterior motive to try to save your soul or to maintain some sort of moral standard that may or may not be necessary uh, for the benefit of humanity. Okay, that, that is, That's my nice way of putting it. So when I say there are harmful aspects of evangelicalism, or, or within Christianity in general, it's, it's because one, it, and this is going to sound very condescending, uh, but it's, it's been my experience, especially within evangelical Christianity, that the, the most harmful aspect of it is the lack of critical thinking that is applied to their thought processes. Um, and the reason is, I believe, because they have a written word of God, which is the Bible, and they have God who wrote, not only wrote that Bible, but is given to them specifically. And because they believe this on faith, they are now not only believe they have access to the money of God, but they are now called to preach this message, which varies from church to church, to say, hey, we have this information and we want to give it to you, whether you like it or not, <laughs> whether you want it or not. And that is harmful, especially when it comes to like the like how you mentioned uh, the idea of missions work. This is where we get into serious issues with uh, colonization. Um, mm. On on a macro scale, we only have to look at what happens when uh, Western civilization came, or when 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 Europe came over to you know South America, and and to uh, and honestly the rest of the globe, and what that did to that culture. Uh, so not only was there a lot of death and pillaging and rape and all that stuff, all done in the name of religion, essentially, because it was politicized, but like, hey, we're going to remove your heathen culture, we're going to erase that, we're going we're to burn it all to the ground, and we're going to give you our European Christian knowledge that will save you from the hell that you're, now, uh, that you're destined to if you don't believe us. And by the way, if you don't believe us, uh, or if you don't want us baptize you, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Now, is that what Christians are doing today? No. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But this, the whole uh, white saviorism is still deeply rooted uh, within evangelical Christianity. And, if it, and honestly, it's not a matter of race necessarily, but there's still this whole idea of supremacy. Like, we have this knowledge, and we are going to come to you, and we're going to save you. Like, that, that to me is, is ridiculous. Hmm. Um, you know? Um, some other harf- harmful aspects of Christianity is obviously the issues that they have with the LGBTQ community. That was a really big aspect of my deconversion. Obviously, not all Christians do that. Uh, so this is the thing: like some Christians only do part of these things, and you know, the more the more fundamentalist the Christian, the the, the more harmful it is. Um, or we can talk about you know, how it's child abuse to teach children that, hey, you're going to go to a literal hell if you don't believe in Jesus. And by the way, mm-hmm. mommy and daddy won't be there either, so you better believe in Jesus. And they start this at four, five, six years old. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's, that's terrifying. That's, that is directly harmful. And even and so, you, you just want to back it all the way up okay, to say, what's wrong with me believing in a God? And this is why I am not an anti-theist yet, although it's been tempting to. Um, I think it's beneficial, at least for other cultures, uh, to have a understanding of where their culture comes from and that's often deeply rooted in some sort of a belief in God. So, for example, I believe Christianity essentially 
colonized religiously colonized Judaism. Like it's, it was, it was a suppressionist over Judaism. Like we're going to take your terminology. We're going to take your culture. We're going to take your religion and we're going to make it ours. We're going to take that term Messiah. We're going to make it ours. We're going to take the savior that you're hoping to find. And we're going to say, Hey, this is, this is our savior now. And if you don't believe in our version of your savior, you're going to hell now too. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see in the early church. And this is why we see so much anti-Semitism in the church. But if you fast forward to today, it's like, is there an issue of believing in God? Well, no, I don't uh, see an issue with that specifically. However, if that belief in a God causes you to discriminate in any way, then, that's a, then that is a, a harmful belief and it needs to be reconciled. This is why I, I tell people I'm a humanist. Because if there is some sort of a belief that causes you to think that you are better than the next person, especially if that's due to a religious belief, then you need to fix that. That is a discriminatory belief and it needs to be fixed. Um, Now we we can say like, well, to to what extent do we do this? I I don't know. I I really don't know. Um, This is where we kind of atheists kind of get into an, an issue of morality because I believe morality is subjective. But just because morality is subjective doesn't mean we can't have general objective goals with our morality. And for me, that objective goal is to have every single person be on an equal playing field and to have the same uh, equal rights uh, as the next person has, whether that be a person in Africa, whether it be a person in New Zealand, whether it be a person in Mexico or someone up in Canada or someone in you know United States, Florida. It really doesn't mm-hmm. matter. We're all humans. And once that belief in God causes you to think that you're better than the next person, then I'm going to have an issue with it. Hmm. Hey, so can can I ask you something there? Because um, I agree with everything that you're saying. I think that there's a there is an element of Christian exceptionalism and religious exceptionalism within um, the church, obviously, and then also you can see this strain played out in every religion, to where fundamentalists of every stripe believe that they are the only ones that have the true faith, that they are the ones who have access to God. And that their job is to, you know, convert the infidel or to convert the pagan or, you know, all the things, right? And and that that notion of exceptionalism then leads to all kinds of imperialistic uh, perspectives on politics and economics and race. Uh, so I acknowledge that completely. Is there room maybe for you um, to go – and and so I just want to be really personal here, and because and, I'm really in, inquisitive about this, is there any room in your spirituality or lack of spirituality to say, you know what, I can acknowledge that the church has jacked this up, that Christianity and Christendom has totally messed this up. However, is there room to say, but I don't think Jesus did? Or it, it, for you, is he not even a part of the conversation? Does that does that make sense? Like, is there yeah. there's a historical I, I, I think, and, a, and a yeah, I think so. Um, so with so we we definitely know the church and, and any religion, any it doesn't really matter. Like, what, what you can look at any sort of type of group, whether it be a social, political, or religious group, and and say, see, they're not perfect. Like, so I, I don't want to make that 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 false uh, comparison, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but. When it, when it comes to Jesus specifically, um, it depends on what type of Jesus we're talking about. 
And that's <laughs> why I'm, I, so I was on a quest to figure out who Jesus was. What can we possibly know about Jesus? And so I've, I've discovered that uh, those who are deconstructing Christianity, who still hold on to some form of Christianity, generally have a romanticized idea about who Jesus was. And, you know, that's, that's fine. Like, if, if they want, I mean, I, I think all gods are fictional. You know, so if, if they want to have a, a fictional version of Jesus, then that's, that to me is not a whole lot of difference. <clears throat> but when we look at who Jesus was on, as a historical person, um, I think there was a lot of great things about them. I, don't, I think there was a lot of other characters who said a, a lot better things than what he did. In fact, like the, the golden rule, you know, do unto others, like that wasn't original to Jesus. That was a, a Buddhist statement from two centuries before. And even that statement too, it also kind of falls short because, you know, do unto others as you would like to be treated. Like, that's great, but shouldn't we treat others better than what we want to treat ourselves? And so like already we have this, this ideal goal that kind of still falls short. And even within when we look at the Beatitudes, like I don't think Jesus actually said the Beatitudes. In fact, I think Jesus said maybe five to ten percent of what he's claimed to have said in the New Testament. With that aside, like when we look at what Jesus, you know, quotation marks, says in the Beatitudes, like some are pretty cool things, some are also very self-abusive, and others are are just flat out dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. The other times, like yeah, they, they may sound like really cool ideas. And for his time period, this would, may have been forward thinking. But he also thought he was this Messiah that was supposed to come and save Jerusalem, to save the Jews from the oppression of Roman occupation. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what type of damage that does to one's psyche, especially when you're hoping for the Son of Man, who may or may not be yourself, to come down and rescue you. And have God come down and rescue you and to usher in God's kingdom. And then you're on this cross and you're dying. And you're like, well, okay, this did not go according to plan. God, why <laughs> have you forsaken me? And that's honestly mm-hmm. how, how if, if, if there is to be a historical understanding of what happened through Jesus' life, I believe that's it. I believe he thought he may have been the Messiah and this, the apocalyptic son of man. If he wasn't the son of man, the son of man was going to come down and rescue him. Uh, at the very last minute, and Jesus fully believed this to the point of his own death. And that is another dangerous, harmful aspect of Christianity because they tend to tend to uh, romanticize the idea of martyrdom, dying for your beliefs. And now, people can die for whatever they want, but if you're going to die for a belief that is false, I mean, like, we think it's horrible when suicide bombers uh, in Islam go and kill themselves. We think it's horrible when, you know, people in suicide uh, and, and cults, you know, make a suicide pact. That's what religion does to people. That's what extremism can do to people. And I don't think Jesus is the perfect example to follow, just because of you know the the actual history of what we see from him. Now, when it comes from supernatural claims, like was he actually the Son of God? Was he actually God Himself? You know, history can't make claims of that. But we can analyze what the text says about Jesus. And when we look at the text from a textual standpoint and from a historical standpoint, I see serious reasons to doubt. And if I'm going to emulate my life uh, based upon someone, if I'm going to follow someone's teachings to a point where I'm literally going to say that, I can think of many 
people first before I would follow Jesus. Hmm, interesting. Hey, I appreciate you you going there. You know, I, I'm obviously we're not here to colonize you either. You know, like this is an open conversation. And, what? And, I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is all we're a trap. We're actually evangelizing we're you right all, now. It's all a trap. Well, I want to go it, back to something. We'll, 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 I'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, take each, we'll take each other down. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that you mentioned uh, just a second ago was just the notion of sort of de-harmfulizing, if you will, um, Christianity. And you mentioned kind of anti-intellectualism, uh, Christian exceptionalism, and um, the notion of some of the harmful expressions of uh, discrimination, whether it be racially or sexually or, or from a gender. Um, what are some of the ways that you hope to accomplish this goal of making Christianity less harmful uh, for future generations? Well, that's a very interesting question because I'm not having a whole lot of success. Uh, <laughs> um, unfortunately, I think my, my my time has has actually passed to to be uh, a, rel- a relevant person of influence uh, because I, I I've been atheist for so long and I'm no longer within that church circle. I think people who are still within the church circle, cough cough, might have more <laughs> of an of an influence in doing this. Uh, but because, you know, I'm, I'm transparent and honest about who I am, you know, someone who is open and honest about being an atheist probably won't have the most impact on a person of faith. Mm. With that said, um, I'm still going to keep on showing and exposing the harm that Christianity does. Um, it's, I, I've, I've gone back and forth as to whether or not it's just more beneficial to uh, try to get evangelicalism to just burn to the ground. Not obviously, not literally people. Okay, I'm talking about the idea <laughs> of of evangelicalism. Uh, because is is there anything in there worth redeeming? It, it's difficult for me to say that there is. It really mm-hmm. is difficult. Um, even within progressive Christianity, um, I, I don't know where you, where you guys clarify call yourselves, and and and, and even progressive Christianity is a very broad subject. But even they seem to have serious issues with uh, colonization, um, anti-intellectualism, and and in fact, like it, they they seem to have issues with definitions and semantics. Where oh, Jesus is just this to me. Like okay, that's that's great, but that's such a fluid subject that you can't really pin on anything. And that's why I, I typically have a, a lot of respect for the ideas that fundamentalists have because. At least they are up front and practice what they preach. Like, hey, we believe homosexuals go to hell. And you see them out there saying, hey, we think you're going to hell. Whereas, okay, like that's horrible. But at least they, they are up front and honest about it and they say that. Whereas yeah, or at least we're going to make uh, life for you a living hell. Right? So. That, is, that is accurate. <laughs> that is it's awful. It's, it's horrible. Um, so... I, I really don't know how successful I'm going to be. I, I've talked to a couple pastors and it didn't quite go as well as I had hoped. Um, but my goal is to at least help them realize that there is reason for doubt. Is your certainty about your belief, not, not you guys, but the, to the evangelicals, like is your certainty about your belief that gays and queers and everyone in the LGBTQ community are going to go to hell because you believe the Bible says it so. And are you willing to 
double down on that belief so strongly that you're willing to discriminate against them. When in reality, when we look at the biblical text, there's so much reason to know that that belief is such bullshit. There it is. And uh, <laughs> it's, and, and it really is like, you know, I don't want to get into that subject too much, but there, there is so much harm in the certainty that they possess that I literally do want to create doubt. And you know, I'm, I'm on record as saying that, you know, faith and certainty cannot coexist. You know, if you're not doubting your faith, then you don't have faith. You have certainty. Mm-hmm. And when they have the certainty, that's, that, that is a recipe for danger because they know that they know that they know that they're right. Because they know they're right, they know that you're also wrong. Yeah, that's a problem, and that's where we get people who like to who uh, tend to radicalize, and people are harmed in the process. Yeah, because it feels like certainty almost always leads to violence. That that you know, I I have this figured out, and you are so wrong. I have to convert you, and if you aren't willingly converted, then I will force myself upon you and force my beliefs upon you because I know that I have the truth and you don't. And that's a scary place to be, no matter if you're um, atheistic or religious. You know, whatever you're holding as so certain, if you're forcing that on somebody else, you can be sure that we're, we're probably all doing it wrong if we're going that direction. Yeah, I, I kind of want to mention this earlier. Um, I, I forgot, but I, I think there's a connection between the more... So I've noticed that, because you, you said earlier that fundamentalists either basically either completely deconstruct or they they become more fundamentalist more more or less is what you said and i Mm -hmm. think that's true i think people who are just kind of like in the middle of the road like they they're typically fine but the the more fundamentalist their beliefs were the the harder they crash and i i I specifically have noticed and not just myself that the more fundamentalist someone is the more likely they are to have become to become an atheist later and i think that's because we have a a passion to search for truth. Um, so I originally thought I had this truth, and then I realized how much I don't actually know and how little I can actually know, and even far less how much I can be certain of, that when I, like Matt Delahante likes to say, I want to know as many true things as possible and not believe as many false things as possible. And when you have that perspective, it's very easy to become an atheist because, like, yes, I can be sure that this is a fact. I can be sure that this is true. And when you figure out the difference between something that's a scientifically proven fact compared to something you just take on faith, it's very easy to become an atheist because you can cling on to those uh, various aspects of what is factually true. And Mm -hmm. we don't, those who pursue truth and love truth don't particularly care about opinions or faith-based assertions, uh, faith-based assertions or theological assertions, we care about the fact what is historically true, what is scientifically true, and what can be proven. If it can't be true, uh, proven, or is just a theory, or is just you know something that someone has asserts, like yeah, we'll listen to it, but we're not going to be convinced otherwise unless you give us factual evidence for it. Mm. That brings up something that you have um on your profile on instagram that i think i would love to have you explain it more um you wrote theology without history equals fantasy um 
I mean, I think we could all assume that we know what you mean by that, but I'd like to hear from you, like, what do you mean and why, why is history so important for our theologies or even moving away from theology? Right. So one, so a couple of things, uh, that, that quote is original to me to the best of my knowledge. I have not heard anyone else say that exact same quote. So if you hear from someone <laughs> else, market. that came, cause I already seen some other people saying, I'm like, haha, that's my quote, but <laughs> that's all right. I'll, I'll let them share. It's fine. Um, the other, the other thing is, is that I, I've been listening, I've been reading a book, uh, by the Christian professor, uh, DLB Martin. He's a new Testament professor at Yale. And he has a book called Biblical Truths. Um, he's already said a lot of things I disagree with. But when it came to like talking about theology and history, he didn't say my quote, but he, he basically gave like a paragraph example of the exact same thing I was talking about in my quote. I'm like, yes, okay. I have a professor <laughs> in, of New Testament from Yale that agrees with me. Glorious. Okay, we can move on. Like it's, it, was, it was very validating. I loved it. <laughs> so what it, what it means is, is that First off, theology is is a, a not, is a study of God. Like, who is God? What is God? So when, so first off, it's annoying when when Christians or theists say you're an atheist. You know, why are you talking about God? I'm like, I can still talk about God in a in a metaphorical sense, just like how I don't believe in Jedi or Sith. I can still like I believe in them and actually existing. I can still talk about them as if they are actually real. Um, I, I hope people can understand that. Um, likewise, so when we talk about a, a theology, like we can talk about Zeus. So let's, or actually better, let's talk about Thor because I actually like Thor. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think Thor is an amazing character, both uh, mytho- mythologically and in the MCU. Okay. It is fantastic to talk about him. I think he has a lot of character, de- uh, character flaws, yet he's, he, he's willing to go out there. He's a god of thunder and lightning. He, he has an am, a hammer. You know, he, he's a part of a, a mythology that, that believes like only the strong survive and they'll go into Valhalla. Like, I love it. This is fantastic. I, I love this theology. I love this mythology. However, we also know that Thor almost certainly does not exist. There is no historical uh, reasoning to believe he is a uh, legitimate supernatural being. Back in the day, we saw lightning. We thought, oh, hey, that's Thor. Okay, great. Now we know where lightning comes from. All of a sudden, okay, everyone is, is no longer believing that, that Thor actually exists. When it comes to Yahweh or Jesus or any of the claims uh, about Jesus, if there is not something that is rooted in a historical fact, that theology is just as fantastic as any other mythological being. So mythology is kind of like a subgenre of, of fantasy um, because I, fantasy just has a better ring to it than mythology, so that's probably why I use fantasy instead of mythology. <laughs> but it, you can make up anything you want about theology, anything, um, especially when you have uh, a, a text like the Bible. You can, you can come up with any theological assertions or inclusions that you want to. Uh, Seth Andrews, <laughs> he's a uh, he's the uh, uh, leader of the uh, Thinking Atheist podcast. Great guy, I love listening to him. He uh, a couple years ago he picked up a cookbook out of uh, some bookstore, and he was able to make up his own theological assertions based upon a cookbook. 
Like <laughs> you can literally take any text and make it say anything you want. However, hmm. does this pot and this recipe equal that God exists? Like, no, it's talking about a recipe. Okay. When you look at the gospels and you look at uh, the, 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 the letters of Paul and, and you know, Jude and Peter and things like that, how historical are they? There are some historical elements to these, to these texts. So when we look at the gospels and we read them, it's easy for a Christian to think, see, this is what happened. But they also did not exist. Two, the, the people reading these texts did not exist 2000 years ago. They, are, they do not understand that the Gospels are mythical narratives. So when you read a historical document from like uh, Tacitus or Josephus, you'll see that the Gospels are nothing at all alike to these actual historical texts. Um, are there historical do- uh, things correct in the Gospels? Yes, there, there, there absolutely are. And I'll, I'll yell at any atheist who just says the entire Bible is bullshit because that's not entirely accurate. And I get a lot of flack for that. Nevertheless, I, I care about truth, not opinion. Hmm. So when people tell me that the Gospels are historically accurate, I'm like, well, you're not wrong. But you know, like, as atheists like to point out you know, ad nauseum, you know, New York City doesn't prove that Spider-Man exists. Okay? Um, we, we, it's, it's a daily argument, but it, it's still pretty valid. We can look at the, at the New Testament and the, and the Gospels and be like, well, yeah, Jerusalem existed. Yeah, Pilate existed. But that doesn't mean that even Jesus existed. I, I'm actually an atheist who fully believes that the personhood of Jesus existed. That doesn't mean that he was the son of God. And I think people really need to step up their game, uh, especially evangelicals, to say, why do I believe what I believe? Is there good reason for me to believe that these anonymous authors of the Gospels are making these claims? Some historical but a majority of not historical um should i believe them do do you believe the exact same thing for uh, muhammad and the quran if you do not then that's a double standard and, and it basically comes down to special pleading so what, what i'm trying to say is if you're going to have a theological belief you you need to have it be grounded in historical facts or, or better yet scientific fact but because i deal with the uh, uh, the biblical text and history, um, I just focus on history. So if you have a theological belief and there's no historical backing for it, that belief is no different than fantasy. And I, I stick by that. Hey, I want to speak into that because I think there's uh, a lot of truth in what you said in the way we approach the Bible. And we don't have time to go all into all of this right now, obviously. But, you know, you mentioned that uh, there's a historical reading of scripture, you know, did this story happen or not? And I feel like that for the vast majority of us, that's the only level of reading scripture we've ever known. And so we stay there. And if it's proven or disproven that this actually happened, then we we have to toss it out. But there is a, a, a larger narrative around approaching sacred texts that goes deeper. And, um, it moves beyond the rational. It moves beyond the historical. It even moves beyond the literal. And I think that there is a, a conversation maybe there uh, to talk about the mythological, that something can be true even if it never happened, that um, we can read a story, whether it be in Shakespeare or the Bible or the Quran, and see and basically say, as opposed to asking the question, did this happen? Therefore, it must be true. Rather, is what does it mean? You know, what is the spiritual 
um, and the, if you will, mythological truth that is being presented here. So like we read Odysseus and nobody says, oh, well, that happened. But we can say, wow, there's some truth in there. You know, there's some universal truths about what does it mean to be human, about um, making stupid decisions, about, you know, the the notion of the gods and all those things. So I, I really want to say that I appreciate what you're, what you're um, referencing there, because I think so many of us do approach spirituality and Christianity in, in, in specifics only from a historical, rational, literal perspective. And when you do that, you you do quickly realize that this is um, in some instances kind of a house of cards. And I think for me and, and my spirituality, I'm really looking to say, I'm going to try and move past the rational and believe that there are some things that are true, even if they may not have ever happened, because there are there are some beautiful golden threads of of truth that exist in in every form of religion. Um, they may not have necessarily historically happened. You know, like did the Exodus happen? I, who knows, right? What is the truth of the story? Well, the truth is liberation from bondage, liberation from slavery. Hey, that's true, right? Even if it never happened. So I, I, I want to I wanna say I, I really agree with that concept, and I think that there's a lot of conversation around that whole notion that we should probably should come back on and do a whole nother podcast with you just on that. So, Yeah, um, so uh, that, that book I referenced Dale, by Dale Martin, um, he talks about the difference between the biblical text and scripture. Like they are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really fascinating. Uh, I, I, it was, it was, it was fascinating, but it was also frustrating. Uh, it, it was fascinating from, from an ex Christian perspective. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. I, I totally get that. And it's very easy to like idolize a text if you don't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate thing was, he essentially uses uh, uses circular logic uh, to promote the idea of scripture, and that is that scripture is scripture because we believe in a God, and because we believe in God, it's scripture. I'm like, that's not exactly what he said, but that's that's what he said. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. no, no that's, that's that's not how it works. Like, like we should. So you have to have the faith first before you read the text, and I'm like, that's not that's not helpful for me. Mm. Um, so I, I, I get I get what Gary Allen is saying, um, you know, philosophically we we can we can find truths in anything, and and I think we need to look for the beauty even in in the worst case scenarios of something like even even a text as horrible as the Old Testament, like we need to have that understanding. <laughs> um, but the flip side of it is like we can have these philosophical truths to have a, you know a good life and to help live a better life. And we can call them spiritual. We can call them, uh, theological, but at the end of the day, like I can also get that from Harry Potter. I can get that from star Wars. You know, I can get from so many other things. Um, you know, I don't really care what people get it from if, if it's helping them live a better life. But are we, are we looking to these texts because we feel like we need to become a better person to appease this God. And then he's going to send us to hell. Otherwise, or are we going to be separated from this God um, if we if we don't try to follow it to a T? Or or is it kind of like what what Jesus says in Luke that the kingdom of God is in our midst and hey it's here already so enjoy life? Like those are all very different questions, and you know they can have 
uh, different uh, effects on the psyche and within our society. And I, I think the, the very li- the, the basic litmus test that we can have is, is this historically true? If it's not historically true and not historically relevant, then we can probably say this now it just goes into the realm of the ph- philosophical. Uh, because if it is historically true, and so for example, if Jesus did historically rise from the dead, oh shit! Now, now, now we're talking about real life stuff. And if Jesus really <laughs> did rise from the dead, then you had better bet that I need to be worshiping Jesus. Because if he rose from the dead, then probably the rest of the stuff he said was true. <laughs> unfortunately, I don't believe. No, not unfortunate, but for 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 someone like me, I don't actually believe that. And so I I don't see the necessity for me to believe anything else that he may have said. Or, or what the authors said that he said uh, beyond like, okay, this is a cool story and, and I, I get some interesting truth out of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so beautiful about the deconstruction community, um, that there are people who have come to very different conclusions through their doubt. Um, but it was their doubt that got them to a better place. Um, and, and what's, the underlying thread I think that I see for everyone is what you said earlier, Will, which is that humanist perspective of like, how do we treat others better? What about what we believe is causing us to treat others terribly or see them terribly and then do things because of that? Um, And the deconstruction community is saying like, no, we're not, we're not going to continue in that anymore. We're going to care about people. And, and sure, everybody comes to these different conclusions, but everybody is also realizing like the doubt was important and the uncertainty is also important um, because it keeps us humble. It keeps us grounded and it keeps us from saying like, you know, I, I have the truth. I know you need it and I will force it on you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love that about you too, Will, is you're like, here's what I believe. And I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you to see what I see or believe what I believe. You're just like, here's what I believe. And and I that's something I super appreciate about you and the rest of the deconstruction community, because it's all just like, hey, we're going to put our ideas out there. And like, there's no skin off my back. And I'm not I'm not forcing anyone to believe what I believe. I'm just going to try to put my ideas out there. And if they make a difference, then I think that's great. And, And I think that's what you are doing with your account, Will. Because you're causing people to think. And I think you're putting out really great questions. Even if people come to completely different conclusions than you or than me or anyone, like everybody's starting to think because of what you're putting out there. And so I Mm -hmm. super appreciate that. Um, But we are running out of time. So we want to do one last thing with you, if that's okay. We want to ask you some more fun kind of rapid fire questions. Is that okay? Sounds great. Okay. So um, we're just going to ask them and then respond as quickly as you can without thinking about it too much so first question what do you like to do in your free time uh i spend way too much time on instagram i do a lot of running (laughs) i do a lot of uh i try to do more reading but i I do a lot of exercising and since i'm unemployed i've been doing a lot more housework (laughs) (laughs) so what's the wildest comment or post or dm you've gotten um uh uh I had a Christian today, so this is just in my mind, uh, asked me, where did Paul say that Jesus died for our sins? As if like, he was saying that, like, Paul never said that. I'm like, really? And this is a Christian saying it. Like, so he has an atheist doing Google searches for him on Bible, for Bible verses. I'm like, nope, Romans, Romans 5, 8. 
Christ, Christ, I far sins. Says it right there. <laughs> that was pretty random. Uh, okay. Oh, wait, What's wait. Something... I'm sorry. I got oh. one. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I had I had a commenter uh, who was a flat globe Earth uh, geocentric uh, oh, man. person. That was fun. That's a whole different That's brand a of whole nother wild. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That I I know a flat earther in person and it's wild. <laughs> so conversations are wild with I'll try, I'll, Can I keep this at two minutes? Cause this is actually kind sure. of important to my deconstruction. So I was a yarn creationist even after I moved down here to Florida and I was working as a geospatial technician analyzing satellite imagery and we were making fun of flat earthers and I was laughing along with them and they're like, don't you believe the earth is 6,000 years old? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was a really awkward conversation because it was like a group of us that we all work together. I'm like, okay, this is, this is not normal. I need to figure out my life. You're like those flat earthers. How crazy are they? And then you're like, <laughs> Oh, well, Oh exactly. man. Uh, okay. What's something you would have never thought about doing when you were a Christian, but that you love doing now? Uh, I watched game of Thrones. <laughs> that's amazing oh that's funny so you love spartan races right i, I do how many have you done um i think i'm up to 10 10 spartan nine spartan races and or nine or ten spartan races and two other obstacle course races wow. i've also it, done like uh probably another three dozen other races. has there been one that's just been exceptionally hard um not so the 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 hardest one I'd done was actually the uh, my first marathon. That was actually the most difficult race I've done. Uh, but as far as obstacle course races go, my uh, my first beast, which is only a half marathon, but the way sprint races work, like if you're doing a 10k distance, like it's pretty much as difficult as a half marathon. And that mm. that first beast that I did was was pretty difficult. Mm. Well, kudos to you for running because. I will never do it. Um, okay, last question. What was the what is the worst part about living in Florida and why is it the humidity? It is definitely the humidity. Uh <laughs> so like right now it's 55 degrees out, but it's also 80% humidity. Oh. I think I think on maybe like two or three times a year, it, it, it will get below 50%. The rest of the time it's almost always at between 80 and 100 oh, percent It's always worse I, in the I, morning. Hmm. I thought it was the bugs. Like, don't you guys have like these huge bugs that just like swarm over your head and try to kill you? So we do. Or the so the, the, the noceums, right? There, there was a legit uh, love bug plague a couple of years ago. It was of biblical proportions. I am not kidding. What and is I, a love bug? So they go, go, uh, Google them up. They kind of look like lightning bugs, but they're a little bit smaller and they don't have the lightning part in their butts. And then they, they literally put their, their butts together and then they mate because they're literally making love and they'll just fly around in the air with their butts together. And <laughs> there was, you could, there, I, I swear the, the one time I, I'm referencing, like there was probably at any given time, 30 bugs, 30 love bugs within like a square foot, wherever you went. Mm. And it was disgusting. Mm. Oh, wow. It was, it was awful. And it was like that for two days. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Okay, maybe I maybe I retract the humidity thing. Although I yeah. still don't like the humidity, the bugs would be <laughs> no, thank you. Hey, well, this has been really fun. I, I appreciate the fact that hopefully we've been able to model a uh, healthy conversation and really show that even even if we might disagree on some things, that doesn't mean that one of us is any less human or 
that we can't honor the conversation and honor the person. And so I just want to say that I, I've really seen that in your spirit, that um, even though, you know, you know that we still claim Christianity, that you're, you were one willing to even talk to us and it wasn't combative and it was conversational and it was friendly. So I just appreciate that and have learned so much from your spirit. For anyone else who wants to know more about you and your journey, where can we point them uh, to find you online and to find more of your content? Uh, thanks. I appreciate the compliment. That's kind of what happens when people try to have conversations with me instead of preaching at me. So because I, I if if you go to my Instagram page, like don't read the comments because I, I'm I'm constantly I'm constantly losing my shit with with people. Um, so you, you guys paint a, a very nice picture of me that may not be completely based in reality, but we'll ignore that. And so but we, uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, heretical underscore theology. Um, I do post uh, share my posts onto a Facebook page, but I'm not very active on there. I, I pretty much do everything. Awesome. awesome. And we'll make sure to link to that on our show notes page too. So people can find it there as well. Well, thank you. Will. we really appreciate this. And I'm, I have a feeling we'll probably have you on again to talk about something else in the future. Yeah. yeah I'd love yeah. to. Thanks, man. That'd be awesome. Look forward to it. One of my favorite things about Will and all the work that he's doing through his account is that he's just so thoughtful and deep and you really just can't follow him and stay comfortable. He he will challenge your beliefs in a good way. And I love that his experience just goes right in the face of the evangelical establishment because they often claim that people who deconstruct and or deconvert only do it because they just love sin or they have some special sin that they don't want to be convicted about and so they they rationalize their way out of believing that sin exists. And for Will, it was the careful study and devotion that actually led him to that deconversion, not his lack of it. Um, and, and so I think a lot of us are in that same boat, and we feel that way as well. Even if we come to different conclusions than Will, um, I, I just appreciate that he shows us um, that we're not what they say we are. Okay, next week, we are chatting with Megan Chaunce, who has a brand new book out called Women Rising, and it is making shockwaves in the evangelical world. Um, she's going to sit down with us to talk about how her experience halfway across the world helping women out of sex trafficking actually led her to challenge everything she knew or thought she knew about gender roles and patriarchy and complementarianism and feminism. Uh, you definitely want to listen to this one, especially if you're unsure in that area, um, especially when it comes to complementarianism. So make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast app. And finally, if you like what we're doing and you've learned from our content please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, your support really helps us to continue our work. We're a nonprofit, and it helps us to create even more content, including exclusive content for Patreon patrons. Um, that is coming out soon, hopefully sooner rather than later. And it also helps us to find more people like us who are leaving the fold and really not sure what to do next. So we thank you in advance for considering that. Talk to you next week.